0: Welcome back to Divorce Happy Hour. This is Christina Previtt.
1: I'm John Knocklinger.
0: And we have another fun-filled hour for you people out there who love to hear about divorce.
1: Well, at least we think it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, well, it depends who you ask. The people who are going through it not right now, probably not so much. Nah. But for the voyeurs, which could be people who are done, because I think you, you do look at things differently when it's over, um, those people... They might get something out of it. But anyway, so our topic to start is going to be tips for testifying and behaving in court. I actually put a really fun um, photo up on our Instagram page and Facebook page. I can't say it on the air because there's a curse word in it. But it's basically shut the F up cakes. (laughs) And I can't even tell you how much feedback we got from that. I don't know. I guess our our clientele has a good sense of humor cuz they got a kick out of that. And the caption said don't wear this to court.
1: Yes, don't wear it to court. Yeah. Absolutely. Cuz I think
0: that would be in poor taste. I think a judge would look at that look at that and go, "Oh jeez. You know, what do we have here? We got a joker here." So so really in to, to sum it up in a nutshell really you have to be mindful that when you go to court you everybody's judging you whether they should be or not they are you're making an impression right it's sort of like if you go on a job interview you're not you're going to dress appropriately you're going to look neat and polished you're going to put your best foot forward, right? <laughs> um I know it's hard to do sometimes when you're in court and you're in divorce court because you're emotional, you're angry, you might have to see your spouse there and if you if it's not amicable, well it's probably not if you're in court. Um you know, it can be hard to do that. But it is extremely important that you try your very best. I always tell people give an Oscar-worthy performance.
1: Oh, absolutely. Oscar-worthy. You know what? <laughs> It's interesting when you go to court, um, you see all kinds of interesting outfits people are wearing. And we're not, I've never told anyone that they need to come in a suit, but you know, wear something nice, you know, wear a sweater and jeans or wear uh, khakis and a button down shirt, wear something nice. Um, you need to present the image that you actually respect the court. I think that's what always what I tell people is. The judge will find you are being disrespectful if you come into their courtroom looking like a mess Uh, because, you know, you have an attorney. People that don't have attorneys, judges see all kinds of things. But if you have an attorney, you come into the courtroom, they're going to expect, first of all, they're going to expect you to, you know, look a little bit more polished. And secondly, they're going to take one look at your attorney and be like, what in the world is going on here if you come in looking like a hot mess? And a hot mess Let's be honest. Sometimes, yeah. What's a hot mess? Well, hot like during the during the summer, you don't come in in a tank top and flip flops, yeah, in board shorts, which we see in the courthouse, but you don't do that during the you know during the winter. I I mean, I think what we were just talking about—that shirt. Don't come in wearing something on your shirt that's offensive.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, I think you should come showing the utmost respect yeah. for the court because, again, you know, people are judging you. The probably the one person you should care what they think is the judge because that person is the one that's going to make decisions about your case. And I know we all like to think that people aren't supposed to be prejudiced or biased, but we're all human beings, and it happens. I mean, as hard as a judge may try not to. Um, you know, include some of their own personal sensitivities and things, we know that it happens. They're humans.
1: They're humans. Exactly. But I I will tell you on the flip side, um, there are situations where you want to dress down slightly. And here's what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. Like, let's say you're, you know, you, uh, let's say you're a woman and, you know, you typically wear you know Prada Gucci you've got all these expensive bags and you're coming in to court you've got a female judge sitting in front of you and you're proclaiming poverty and that you need all this money and you come in dressed to the nines it's not going to present the right image it's just no. not because that's human nature too it's like okay you're telling me you're broke you have no money and i'm sitting here looking at your you know, $5,000 worth of bags and clothes that you're wearing.
0: It's absolutely true. that That is noticeable. We all notice that. I think I've even made comments myself as an attorney about the other party that shows up with the Louis bag. And you know, hair all done and big long fingernails. All that stuff is expensive. Yeah. But at the same time, it can help you, right, if you're asking for a lot of alimony and you're trying to oh, show yeah. that yeah. – you have you enjoyed a, a an elevated lifestyle, then then it works for you. So I think really the point is that you just always have to be mindful. What kind of message am I trying to send to this judge or to to the people that I'm? Just if be, it's respe- mediation or something be respectful.
1: Be like respectful.
0: Just be respectful. Yeah, um, and dress appropriately for the occasion. Um, but we have some other suggestions that are a little bit more specific. Um, So this is something that sometimes when you go to court, you will have to actually speak and you will have to address the court. Most of the time, if you're just going on a motion, you won't have to do that. But every once in a while, we get a judge who, even though they're not really supposed to, they will ask a question. Um, And so our suggestion for you is you probably will be nervous, but make sure that you listen to the question that you if you need some time because you're nervous and maybe you don't understand the question it's okay to say that you don't understand the question but think carefully about what your response is you don't have to just blurt something out but think carefully about what your answer is because you're being recorded so whatever you're gonna say will probably be used against you at some point um but But again, when I say think carefully, that doesn't mean you have to sit and sweat like, oh, my God, what am I supposed to say? (laughs) Um, You know, because people are always worried like, oh, I don't know what to say. Do I say if I say the wrong thing, it's really bad. You know, I always find that honesty is the best policy and most likely your attorney has counseled you somewhat before, right? Do you have anything to add to that, John?
1: Yeah, I mean, you... You do need to think about uh, think about your answer before you answer the question. You need to listen very carefully, but you need to be careful not to just say "I don't remember," "I don't know" all the time. Yeah. Because if you start doing that, a judge is going to start thinking you have no credibility. Because if you're telling the truth, um, you know, like where, you know, you took ten thousand dollars out of the bank account last year. Where did that money go? Well, I don't remember. You know, sometimes no one's going to believe you. Even if you honestly don't remember, no one's going to believe you. And quite frankly, by the time you get to the point where you're being asked questions, these are issues that have already come up in the case probably more than once.
0: Yeah. I mean, I had a, I did a deposition once where the guy was intentionally just saying, I don't know, to everything. Every question was, I don't know. And he just would have this look on his face of, you know, defiance. Like you knew <laughs> that he just wasn't going to answer any questions. And it really didn't help him. It just made him look like a total jerk. It it gave me so much material to just make him look really bad to the court. And I guess he got some pleasure out of it at the time, but it didn't help him at all. It actually hurt him. And I. so I, if I had a client who did that, I would be very upset that they were doing that. You know,
1: I, I tell clients all the time, you need to answer the question as though your spouse's attorney has a piece of paper that contradicts what you're saying. So or, uh, you, it has a piece of paper that would contradict a lie. So yeah. always answer the truth and you always assume that they're going to be able to call you out on a lie. Um, And if you do that, you're not going to go wrong. But then again, like you just said, tell the truth. I mean, tell the truth because you're entitled to what you're entitled to. Lying's not going to help you. And the second you lie and your spouse's attorney can call you out on that lie, the judge isn't going to believe another word you say.
0: I always tell people, you are not the good liar that you think you are. Okay. (laughs) So if you're priding yourself on that, you're deluding yourself because – ninety nine point ninety nine percent of everything is discoverable so that means there's some sort of paper trail or some sort of evidence of it and what you think maybe your spouse doesn't know maybe they do know and I always find that most of these lies are revealed at some point in time so and probably whatever you're lying about is kind of stupid anyway Um. I mean, I guess it could have to do with money. I think a lot of times people just lie about money. But like I said, it's probably going to get found out anyway. And if you're recording somewhere that you're lying, you know, you're writing it in a statement or you're, you're seeing it at a deposition, it's absolutely going to come back to bite you.
1: It absolutely is. And you were just talking about listening to the question asked. And the other reason that's important is you don't want to answer something that wasn't asked. Uh, people, you know, when you're in court, I feel like people want, it's like, oh, I'm on the witness stand. It's my turn to be heard by everybody. Yeah. And then you start talking and you might inadvertently give information up to the other side that they weren't planning on asking and allow them to go into a new direction. Also, your attorney has prepared you for a sequence of questions. And if you go off the beaten path to a topic that you weren't prepared to talk about, your attorney is gonna be thrown for a loop too. So whatever questions asked, you know, for example, if, they, if someone asks you how much money did you make last year, don't say, "Well, I made a hundred thousand dollars in the year before, but the year before that I made only eighty thousand dollars, and this year I'm only going to make seventy thousand dollars." Like, don't yeah go don't go beyond that. Let, if, you yeah, know,
0: yeah. Let let your attorney do the work. You don't need to yeah. sit there and try to explain everything. Just let your attorney do the work. If you have a trial or a deposition or something where you're testifying, your attorney should have prepped you. I don't want to scare anybody, but if they didn't, (laughs) I would be very worried. I'd be really worried. (laughs) Um, A good attorney would, a competent attorney would have prepped you. And I don't mean that they would tell you what your answers should be. I mean that they would know what questions they're going to ask you. And they've at least done one one dry run of the questions just to get you comfortable with them, get you comfortable with testifying, see what your answers are going to be. So that they can, I don't want to use the word coach, but so that they can tell you, well, you know, don't give, and they certainly can't tell you to lie, but they could say, just, just, you know, shorten your answers. Right? Like, I mean, that's what I mean by coaching. I don't mean that they tell you what you're supposed to say and you're memorizing lines. They're not supposed to do that. But you should feel comfortable enough by the time you testify that you've heard the questions enough times that... It's not like it's coming out of left field.
1: If your attorney's telling you to lie, that is such a red flag.
0: That, well, that's unethical. It's and unethical,
1: but I mean, that's the attorney's issue. In the courtroom, you're the one that's going to get in trouble.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's, it's not going to
1: be your attorney. It's going to yeah, be you.
0: I should clarify. It's unethical for the attorney. Oh yeah, that, that's an yeah. ethical violation.
1: Well, what do you what do you say to a client who doesn't honestly know an answer? But they have an, a general idea of maybe what the answer would be. Like for example, I, how much money did you make last year? Let's say they honestly don't remember the exact amount, but they kind of have an idea about where well then, what the range would be. Would you tell them to give a range, or would you just say I don't really remember the exact number?
0: If it it, it depends on the setting, but I don't see anything wrong with saying. Well, I I think they would need to qualify it that. I don't exactly remember the number, but I think it was somewhere in this range. I think that's okay. I agree. Because they leave some room that if they're wrong, if they're incorrect about it because of whatever reason, that at least they qualified and said, well, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think it was $100,000. I think that's okay.
1: Yeah, I actually think answering questions like that does um, enhance credibility to some degree, because I think just saying I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember – I mean, we're not – neither one of us is a judge, but if I was a judge, I would be staring at somebody being like, how do you not remember any numbers of uh, – we're using numbers right now. Let's say you don't remember anything about your income last year or the year before yet you've been in a divorce for probably a year or two. You knew these questions were going to be asked, and yet you don't know any answers. That kind of would make me think, this person's hiding something.
0: Yeah, I think I think whenever one, whenever someone says, I don't know or I don't remember, and it's about something that's a pretty intimate detail of your life, I think sometimes we meet it with suspicion. Because how do you not know? Like, really, how do you not know how do you not know what you made last year unless you're a business owner and you've got like five llcs and you just don't remember the number off the top of your head i mean right but the average person doesn't have that the average person is probably w-2 earner they kind of know what they make you know so it's just not believable when people are constantly saying i don't know
1: you know also when you're answering questions um You cannot fidget, and I would really caution you about not making eye contact with your spouse or their attorney. Yes. Because I've – well, I've seen that happen in domestic violence cases where the judge has noticed it. And don't forget, the judge isn't just listening to your words. They're looking at your body language. They're looking at who you're looking at. They're looking at everything in the courtroom. They're actually looking at your spouse's reaction to what you're saying too. I mean, they're looking at everything. But don't fidget. Don't make inappropriate eye contact, and please, for the love of God, don't turn to the judge and start talking to them.
0: Oh, I know. I hate when people do that. I mean, it's okay if you look at the judge and make eye contact, but you're not having a conversation no. with the judge. That's not why you're there. You're not there to make friends with them. And and you know, notwithstanding what we just said about making a good impression, you're not there to, you know, impress them. You're there to make them believe that you're credible that you're not a total train wreck (laughs) i would use some other words but again we're on the radio
1: yeah
0: um you know you want them to generally have a good impression of you that you know here's a an upstanding credible person who's just trying to do their best and you know we we recognize that people are humans and and they make mistakes and have emotions but you want them to kind of like just think that you're generally a good person Right, that you're not a liar. Right, that you're not some deadbeat that's going to run off and leave the country and never pay your child support. Right. Well, well, you know those
1: you know those people that whenever they get nervous, they'll like make inappropriate jokes and kind of like giggle under their breath or you know try try to lighten the atmosphere because they're stress they're nervous or whatnot. Um, you know we have seen personally um, somebody on the stand. You know, sort of talk as a si- to the side uh, f- to the judge, and have the judge actually hold it against them because of the fact that it kind of made them seem like they were they were it, sort of inappropriately nervous about whatever was going on. And you don't know what the judge is going to perceive. So if you just stick to answer your your attorney's questions, if the judge asks you a direct question, it is totally appropriate to look at the judge and answer the question. Yeah, because a judge judges ask questions constantly. And that kind of takes people for a loop because I don't think a lot of attorneys tell their clients that the judge is going to ask you a lot of questions, but judges, they're there to get information. And if the attorney's not doing their job and asking the questions, the judge thinks the attorney should yeah. be asking. They're going to ask the questions, and that you can look at the judge and answer the question, but then go right back to your attorney.
0: Yeah, it's not necessarily that the attorney's not doing their job. Well, true. Because I mean, I've had judges do that to well, me. they do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes. Let's face it, people. You might think this is the most ex- exciting thing in the world, but it's not. It's boring. Going to court is boring, and if you if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't go just court is open right i mean some judges close the doors but they're really not supposed to do that go to court one day and go into a courtroom it is boring it is not like law and order <laughs> so they want to move it along they they if you, they've got an attorney who's, who's asking a lot of questions that they don't feel are particularly helpful or relevant for them sometimes they'll just cut them off and start asking their own questions right i've seen it a million times i have too so, um, so I think we're we're kind of going off on a tangent a little bit. here. <laughs> um, I, I really want to give that information lot. that's helpful for people who are listening, and not just us ranting and venting. Um.
1: <laughs> well, I, so I will. So, something that's very helpful is when you're in the courtroom. You know, always be respectful to the judge uh, when you come in. We sort of probably should have talked about this before we started testifying, but. When you come into the courtroom and the judge comes into the courtroom, you stand. Whenever the yes. judge addresses you, say "Your yes, Your Honor." No, Your yes. Honor. Use those really, uh, those really uh, sort of terms that really denote that you understand the respect that the courtroom is entitled to. Be polite to the opposing counsel. Like when they're asking you questions, don't get all nasty with them. They're gonna. They're, their whole point is to get you upset.
0: Yes, they want to say. They want to be able to say with their eyes, look, see, he's an a hole. Yeah. Or you know, she's difficult. She's an a hole. They they want to they want to bring that out in you. Don't let them.
1: No, don't. I've let seen them.
0: it happen so many times. I remember one time I had this case where the guy really was. He was an a hole. And I was trying to tell the court about all these terrible things he had done and what a terrible person he was. And, of course, he was denying all of it. But then something was said that really irked him. He stood up in the courtroom flipped out like just started screaming and carrying on and like kicked his chair and stormed out of the courtroom you're kidding it was great i obviously he wasn't my client but i was <laughs> like see i told you <laughs> i mean that, oh my God. that never happens but but that is such a great example like don't do that <laughs> don't do that because it was such great material for me to say, see, see what I'm talking about. So that's what <laughs> you don't want to do. Well,
1: I was going to say, also, when you're sitting at counsel, when you're sitting at the table with your attorney in the courtroom. Don't be pulling on your attorney's shirt. Oh, constantly lean over and saying things. And the thing that's most common is that's a lie. That's not true. That's a lie. That's not true. I I see that all, all the, time. the time.
0: And it's not even relevant. Usually, whatever the lie is, it's not important. No. It's not important whether you put ketchup on your hot dog or your mu- mustard on your hot dog. Like <laughs> that's not true. I never did that. <laughs> it's irrelevant. Okay, let's let it go. Because the judge has a short attention span, right? Very short. There's a certain amount of time that you get (laughs) to to get your stuff out there, and you want to make sure the judge hears what's really important and not the stupid stuff. The other thing that I've tried to explain to people, and this is true, um, well, I guess largely in court, if the judge is talking or my adversary is talking, I need to listen to them. And I can't do that If you are tugging on my my sleeve and having a conversation with me. So what did did the adversary just say that I missed? Because you were busy talking about something that really wasn't important. So what I do is I'll actually tell them before. I'm putting a notepad in front of you. If you feel the need to relay a message to me, you can write it down. Um, And that's what I do because it's very frustrating and stressful for me when I'm trying to pay attention to what I have to do. And and they want to sit there and engage me in conversation.
1: Oh, it's not just annoying to you. It's the judge is going to be staring at that.
0: Yeah, the judge sees it. And they're, they're not blind. They they're see not it.
1: blind. You know, uh, thought just entered my head. I don't want to forget to say it. Not only do you need to be respectful to the judge and to the other attorney in the room, but the judge's staff. I cannot tell you, if you're rude to the court clerk, that's the person that's going to sit next to a judge and and handle the recording of what's going on in the courtroom. If you're rude to them, guess who's going to find out about that the second they have an opportunity to tell the judge?
0: (laughs) Oh, they will. They will. Uh, And even when they're not in the room, you don't know who's around. You don't know who's might hear you or see you doing something stupid and just happen to be going back in chambers and say, oh my God, I hate judge, I just saw so-and-so out there. You won't believe it. You don't want them to hear that. And I have to say this applies to your family members too because I'll never forget one time I was in court on a motion and uh, the issues are irrelevant, but what was interesting is that this gentleman's family was in the back of the courtroom. There was like four of them. He brought like his whole family. They were like jumping up and down, literally like cheering when the judge would say something that he liked and then kind of just just being intrusive, oh my you God. know, like really making a spectacle of themselves. I didn't know this was going on because it was behind me. I ended up going in chambers for something and the judge made a comment about it. He was like, well, I saw this whole, you know, your client's whole posse back there. And it, it was a parenting time dispute. And I'm sure that that made an impression on him because I, I do think one of the is- issues was that he was he was sort of controlling the parenting time and, and being intrusive on the wife's parenting time. And I think the judge got the impression that he probably was, just based upon what he saw the family doing. Like, the whole family was there, and, and it so, was a bad situation. So the family
1: helped, you know, really hurt this guy. I, I mean, they,
0: he, they did. I think the judge did not have a, a good impression of him because of the whole thing.
1: What is your opinion about family members coming to court at all?
0: I really don't think they should be there. I agree. I just don't think they should be there. And, I, you know, I think often people's family members interfere I don't think they help. There are some occasions they help, but I think more often than not, they're not helping because you have to remember that this is your divorce. It's not someone else's, it's yours. And it's for you to decide what settlement you want, what you can live with. What you just want to, you know, compromise on, what you don't want to compromise on, it doesn't have anything to do with anyone else. You have to live with it. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. So I find that often you get the family member who, again, they have no skin in the game. You know, maybe they're helping you pay for it, but most of the time they're not. They're just there. And then they're the ones that are going to say, oh, I wouldn't settle for that. I wouldn't do that. I would make her do this and that and the other thing. But meanwhile, are they paying for it? Are they the one that has to get up every day and live this? Are they the ones that have to go to court and take time off work and just go through the emotional turmoil of the whole experience? They don't have to do that. So it's really easy for them to say, oh, I wouldn't agree to that. I would just keep going, not to mention the, the money. I couldn't so, agree
1: more. I could not agree more. I, When you're in the courthouse, too— um, it's kind of like what you were talking about in the courtroom, I, that you're trying to listen to what's going on and you've got a client tugging on you. On the flip side, when you're in the courthouse, you're trying to get some kind of resolution of something when you're there. Maybe it's the whole case. Maybe it's a finite issue. But if you have all these family members that are just constantly interrupting and, and, and putting their opinion in,
0: it, oh, makes yeah. it, it makes
1: it a hard time for you to um, – makes it a hard time for uh, you to actually have a good conversation with your attorney because it ain't cheap going to court.
0: No, It's no. very
1: expensive.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, I just find sometimes, too, having too many people whispering in your ear, it can just make you feel more confused and not helped. Um, but that's that's pretty much what we have to say about that topic. We, we could probably go on and on about that much longer, but I think really um, what I would want you to take away from this is – just be mindful. that's what I say about everything. Just be mindful <laughs> that uh, you know you're going to court to make a good impression and that you want to come across um, as an upstanding, incredible person and try your, your very hardest to give an Oscar worthy performance and not demonstrate a lot of extreme emotion. Um, that's that's really largely what I would want you to take away. I agree. Okay. So our next topic is coping with divorce.